Welcome back, everyone, to the most radical podcast on the inner airwaves that jives back into the best pop culture decade in history to revisit the movies, the games, the books, the toys, and more. We're your hosts. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And this is 80s High. Chris, welcome back to the mic, the booth, the chair. How's it going? I'm sitting here. I'm surrounded by light zappers. I am super excited. (laughs) I'm just, I'm really, I'm jazzed to get back into talking about this game. But, you know, I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves. We have an order of operations here. (laughs) And, you know, there's a little bit of chit chat. We got to talk about if there's any like 80s goings on, happenings, etc. So do you have any i'm bereft of 80s information so unfortunately i don't have a great contribution here in homeroom but how about you as i'm dodging paper airplanes and carving my initials in the desk here in homeroom i i'm sure you didn't miss the big 80s news today because i am guaranteed you've been glued to the super bowl screen sport ball game oh my gosh it is the biggest sport ball game ever everyone on this podcast and in my personal life knows huge sport baller I've been glued to the screen. The score kept changing. It was intense. You have a foam hand on. Your face is painted. (laughs) Your face is painted blue and gold. You have a cheese head on. It's really hard to use the zapper remote when you have the giant foam (laughs) hand. It's really hard to to click that button. Well, but I'm uh, here repping for everything, man. I love seeing all the colors you've got going on. Go Mogwais. Um, go, go fighting mogwais. Go fighting mogwais. <laughs> Look, if you were a fan of 80s pop culture, then you had a great treat today in today's Super Bowl. Because we know for all those who aren't so passionate about the sport itself, the big thing about the Super Bowl are the commercials. Hmm. And today, after hearing teases and getting sneaky little onset shots for months, we finally got the first trailer of The Flash superhero movie. In which The Flash visits an alternate reality and returns to 1989's Michael Keaton's Batman. So today in the trailer, we got the reveal of Michael Keaton back in the rubber batsuit. We got the best Batmobile ever designed being revealed in the Batcave. It is gorgeous. Such a cool vehicle. And of course, like Keaton walks right to the camera and he goes... I'm Batman. Like, oh. it was It was so good. It's so, I'm very excited. It was a great 80s reveal today. That's amazing. Wait, is this going to be a real movie or is it just a commercial, like a joke? No, it is. It's a real movie. Uh, what? Flash. It's been a little complicated. I don't know how Warner Brothers is trying to damage control. Uh, Ezra, I think it's Ezra Miller who plays The Flash. He's kind of been in some uh, legal hot water over the last year. Uh, Done after some unsavory things. Some problematic issues. Oh, uh, unfortunately, long after principal photography on The Flash has been done, so they're like, mm. Mm, what do we do? Yeah. So I think what they're doing is damage control and let's pump up Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. It looks awesome to have Keaton back. Keaton in the cowl. I'm very excited to have him back. I don't know if we'll ever do that movie, 
best Batmobile, of course, as you mentioned. But my other favorite one is where, like, he was surprisingly a pretty decent Bruce Wayne, but he goes Michael Keaton when he's standing by the fireplace and he's like, come on, let's get nuts. He says something like that. And it's like, it almost like he crosses over into Beetlejuice territory. Let's get nuts. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's just that, like, pitch of his voice that only Keaton can do. And it it was very much in the range of where he was for Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. And that oh, was yeah. like the one moment where it, it broke for me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is Michael Keaton. But anyway, that's super cool. You know, we, we've rarely picked a celebrity, a specific celebrity to focus on as a topic. Yeah. But like you picked Spielberg. I could joyfully do Keaton as a topic. I mean, Just he did so inter- many he was the jams. Hey, maybe that's going to be a future topic. I would, got, it. I would dig we, it. We've got some episodes left this season. Now, here's the thing. To cover today's topic, we have to break Batman's one rule. Oh, which is? Well, Batman's one rule is never kill. Oh, I thought it was don't eat after midnight. Oh, wait. That's that's fighting Mogwais. Back to the Mogwais. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. Because today's topic will have ducks raining from the sky. Yeah. Would you be game for zapping on down the hallway from homeroom to history to start to dive in today's quacktastic topic? I'm flying down the hall, and I'll oh. meet you there. <laughs> oh, these puns are going to get foul. Oh, boo. Oh, boo. All right, everybody. We are here in history class. With all those puns, you know that we are covering the NES classic DuckTales. Uh, one Ooh. of the best. No, it's not DuckTales. It's <laughs> Duck Massacre. <laughs> Just <laughs> a pile of birds. Massacre. DuckTales oh was a classic too, though. Did you ever? Did you ever play DuckTales on NES? Oh, did I play the game? Um, I mean, definitely watch the show. The cartoon. It's one of my favorite favorite kids TV show theme songs of all time is the DuckTales. So one. good. And it's then they followed it up with Darkwing Duck. Also amazing. Darkwing Duck is God. such a jam too. You know, I don't know that I played the game. If I did. I mean, it probably wasn't very good, so if I played it, it wasn't memorable, but... Sure. It's a classic. Wrong. It's very hard. Some of those were just, like, ridiculous. And they did, like, a like the, Do you remember that Aladdin game? Do you remember that, like, ridiculous Aladdin's side-scrolling, ins- you, the Super Aladdin Nintendo hard, one? And oh. you could get most of it until you had to do the flying carpet, the like, flying underground. The flying yes. I think when you're... Cave. Yeah, isn't it when you're, like, trying to get away, like, when you Impossible. go down into the um, treasure cave or whatever the heck it's called? <laughs> Welcome to my treasure cave. Who disturbs my slumber? Oh, very. Oh, God, what was that actor again? Is that, oh, is it's, that uh, um, Frank Welker? Frank Welker, yeah. Frank Welker's Welker. just killing it. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway. No, we are not here to talk about DuckTales. Ooh. Or any of those things. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about a video game on the original Nintendo Entertainment System known as the one and only Duck Hunt. Chris, you always oh, yeah. do just a bang up, zap out job. Of giving like a good high and tight at the top. What was this thing? Do you want to enlighten us about Duck Hunt? Well, shoot. Let me see if I can. (laughs) I see what you did there. Duck Hunt is a game that typically came packaged with Super Mario Brothers when you purchased an NES. It was like a a double label, same game. I think there was even a version that had three games packaged together. It it gets out of control. We'll get to it. Like a later console, I'm sure you'll talk about. But this was a game where you had a, a little gun, like a zapper gun. You click, point at the screen, and shoot. And the whole objective is ducks fly out in the field, and you have to shoot them. And you have to shoot so many ducks in order to get to the next round. So that's the standard game mode. There's a harder one where two ducks are flying, so that's the challenge a little bit. 
And then there's this random third mode, which is clay pigeon shooting. Right. You know, same kind of concept, but obviously hitting clay pigeons and not actual ducks. And of course, everyone knows there's the little dog, the hound dog that sniffing around, jumps into the field and is going to help you bag these birds and snicker. It's not a cackle. Is it a snicker? Is it a... A mocking chuckle. Yeah. A guffaw. A muckle. A chuckle. A guffaw. It's a muckle. Yeah. It's a muckle. Uh, who will be a little uh, little sassy if you miss some birds, if you don't, yeah. you know. Yeah. They, they fly away. Uh, it gives existence. you a little bit of salt and sass. But yeah, that's in a nutshell. And then if you hit so many birds each round, you keep progressing and it just keeps getting harder and harder. And then the birds are like flying all over the place. It gets wild. It gets absolutely bonkers. No, wow. Thank you. That's a great tee up. So now you know, listener, if you're like, that sounds like my jam. Tell me about Duck Hunt. Game on. If you're like, that's not my jam. Oh, did we mention it's totally groundbreaking technology that this game came with and you came with a plastic toy gun that had never happened in a home video game thing before? Then maybe you should stick Say around a little what? more. Say what? Say more things about that. So let's talk about the origin of the jerk dog. So dogs first became cruel. And no, I have no idea that dogs are sweet puppies. We love them all. But actually, there's something interesting. It wasn't until the 1800s when in England started doing these kennel clubs that we got retrievers. For those who are not into dogs, a dog that goes and gets an animal that you shoot and brings it back to you is called a retriever. And so it was in the 1800s that England started crossbreeding and trying to like get these perfect dogs that were awesome for running through the water, swimming, usually for a duck while they're hunting ducks, and to bring a duck back to you. And then they said, listen, everybody, we're going to have the most absolutely smashing, gorgeous retriever of all, the golden. And everyone just lost their freaking mind because who's a good girl? Who's a good boy? Who's a good girl? <laughs> who's a good girl, good girl? Freaking adorable. I did try and see, though, I'm, you know, I'm trying to dig way back into the history like we try with different topics. Like where could different origins begin? I did try and look up the start of carnival games where you shoot something. Like a mechanical thing, yeah. a, a festival, which that went way back. That was in the Renaissance area, pre-17th century. I don't know if you had like little uh, peasants walking back and forth and you had a crossbow that you shot at them to wow. get the, you know, to get the straw stuff dragon. You're putting the dark and dark ages here, say, my that's friend. That's more dark my age, God, medieval yeah. time, not Renaissance. Sorry, the Renaissance, uh, you would just call someone out, you sir, le bang, and then they would like lay down. But the uh, the twenties, nineteen twenties, is really where it starts to get familiar. This is when you have like the mechanical gun games at carnivals that you see. You know, you have a BB gun, ping, you're shooting stuff down. Winning a you also have animal. the transatlantic accent, which is amazing. Step right up, here, everybody, shoot him while you can. Can you find the duck? And here's my laughing dog, who will mock you when you miss the duck. I've no. Well, ring a ding ding, kid. Let me shoot it right over oh here. My, see? Ring a, that's oh my perfect. gosh! Perfect. Okay, so games like that. Like, did, I know I'm jumping a little chemistry here, but like, we grew up not far from Kings Island, and there's that huge Carnival Row with lots oh, of yeah. Carnival games. Yep. The the shooting games like this, whether you're squirting water at something or firing a BB gun, laser guns. Like, do you ever like these? Did you get into these kind of games? Oh, heck yeah. I love the one where you, yeah, you shot the water gun, you had to hit the target and something raced along or shot up the thing and you tried to beat everybody. There's also the ones where you would like knock something over. Like they yeah. had the really heavy. It's like an air cannon. almost. Yeah. And you like shot almost like a beanbag or some yeah. kind of thing at it. Oh, yeah. I love those games. Those were a lot of fun. I remember to Kings Island, the water one, What it was, it was Barbies on ski 
and they were oh. like going up. There was like it was like Beach Barbie and Beach Ken, and they were racing ski dudes. I don't remember one. that. It was one. great. I don't know why but I yeah. remember that. I would say of those kinds of games that you know at a true carnival or fair or at a place like Kings Island, I think those the the shoot ones were some of my favorites. Yeah, so I was right? really bad at like the ring toss and like basketball. I was terrible at all those. They're totally rigged. It's so. It's so. I mean, it's all, all rigged. So freaking rigged. Absolutely it's ridiculous. But it was more fun to lose those games than like try to make a basket <laughs> right. and maybe land one if you were lucky. Right at the most. Yeah. So in the 30s, there's this device invented called the electric eye light sensing vacuum tube, and this is developed by the Seaberg Company. And so it's primarily used in jukeboxes. It's part of the technologies that like picks your selection and helps spin up the music in the 30s that you want. And Seaberg is like, you know, I wonder else what we could do with this. And about the same size as a jukebox, they invented the Rayolite duck shooting game in 1936. Hmm, okay. So this is the origin point. It's the same technology the Nintendo Zapper Gun is going to use eventually, but it's like an arcade, and you've got a gun, and you're shooting down a little, you know, three-foot range at ducks. They just happen to also pick ducks. Hmm. Jump a little bit ahead. Computer light pens are being used. These are devices that between a computer and an actual, like, pen you're holding can sense one another, and almost like, um... I know graphic designers have a type of tablet that they use today to do art and digital drawing and that kind of thing. This is like an early... Are you talking about like the Wacom tabs or whatever? Like those kinds of things? Yeah, like those kind of things. Okay. So MIT had been working on that in the 60s. Magnavox Odyssey had a light gun accessory in that time. But it's not until 66 that we get to video games. So 1966, Sega's electromechanical arcade game Periscope, which is Sega's first successful game. It was released in 1966. And it comes with these little cardboard ships. Think of, like, if you combined Battleship and Duck Hunt. So there's actual physical targets you're putting, like, in your living room you're setting around. Sorry, you're not in a living room. Sega goes back to the 60s? Yeah, sorry, it's an arcade wow. game, not a home game. No, I'm, I, but still, I'm surprised that company goes back that far. Pretty crazy, right? Like, for video games, like, Nintendo was around just trading cards. Like, I don't, you know, whenever they started, but, Wow. One of the things, and I need you, I, I need you to help me, listener. If you listen to this podcast, and you get to the end, and I, I miss this. Email me because I got to get on this. I'm really excited for this episode when this comes out to be on it with Instagram and start posting all these original toys that led to the Nintendo Zapper. Yeah, because these are awesome. So, '66 Sega does this Periscope game. It's an arcade game. You're shooting at targets. But in '69, they come out with Sega's Duck Hunt. And it looks like mid-80s, there were these, like, racing games you could bring home. And it was just, it was one unit, like, it was a plastic box with a little steering wheel and a little gear shift and one screen. And you could just play it on this little, I don't know, bread box sized game? I know exactly what you're talking about, because I had one of those. And I freaking loved it, because I felt like I could be driving my own car. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So picture that. That's Sega's Duck Hunt. So that comes, you can bring this thing home. There are targets on the screen and there's a little gun that's like kind of attached to it and it actually has printer paper in it. Like an old, like, I need your transatlantic voice again, but like bankers, cha-ching, and the paper's like spitting out. (laughs) It would spit physical paper out of your score of shooting the ducks. It was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, And so all of these, like you kind of said at the top of the show, these are all starting to fall into the light gun shooter. And light gun means we're using light as the sensing technology, no longer like a BB or a compressed air ball or water. Light is triggering this. 
light gun shooters typically revolve around a protagonist shooting at targets and either inanimate objects like your very exciting clay pigeons. Yeah, oh, yeah. And look, I didn't even know there was a clay pigeon version in Duck Hunt. That's how, like, not exciting the clay pigeon part was. I had forgotten about it. When I was doing research and I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, there was that mode. But no one really remembers it compared right. to the ducks. Like, obviously, the game's called Duck Hunt, not clay pigeon shooting. Right. And where this twist is coming from, especially from the Sega's Duck Hunt, is like all these classic arcade, like in the arcade, somewhere that's not your living room or basement. There's a sensor on the target and your gun is emitting light and the target is picking up if you've lined up the light with it. And then ta-da! where this starts to change with light guns is it's actually there's a sensor in the gun that is telling if it is aligned with the target at which you're aiming on the screen or in the range or whatever. That's the big difference here that's happening with this thing. Mm -hmm. In 1971, I swear to God, we're getting to the 80s because that's what this show's about. But this, we're going to get there. (laughs) 1971, (laughs) Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi asks Gunpei Yokoi, and Gunpei is like a name that's going to come up a bunch. Gunpei is like the godfather of Duck Hunt. Okay. To design a simulation game based on clay pigeon shooting. And I love this. Nintendo buys up a bunch of bowling alleys in Japan. And sets up these electric shooting ranges to kind of, like, test this stuff out. And so it's, okay. it's similar of, like, what we've been talking so far of, like, there's a screen that has targets and you've got this light gun. Because, like, bowling really took off in Japan in the 60s and then died real fast. Like, it burned hmm. short and hot. It, it wasn't, like, the staple of America in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s of going to bowling alleys. Yeah. Like, even as a high schooler, were you, like, a bowling alley kid? Did you, like, going to bowling alleys? <laughs> I was in the bowling club in high school. No, Thank you, you were not. Very much. No, oh, yes. you were not. I even have a trophy. What? <laughs> I have a trophy because our team. <laughs> we did a fun bowl like at the end of the year, and our team won. No. Now I was never good at it, but we had a lot of freaking fun, and somehow won this trophy. I'm still flummoxed as to how we made. Like, we just hit some crazy sweet spot because we weren't that great. Is your trophy, like, thanks for showing up today? Like, what's your... No, we we got the, like, high score of this, like, fun bowl day. Oh, my God. I think they, like, tallied, like, three games together, like, team scores, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember what the details were, but somehow we got a trophy. Were you, like, a... Were you, uh, like, a glow bowl guy? Did you like glow bowling? Like, midnight bowl? Yeah, like, it's all black lights and stuff and, like, the neon balls that oh, yeah. light up. Midnight Bowling was freaking that was sweet, the man. That's where it was at. Uh, yeah, everything's, like, yeah, neon in the dark, like, fluorescent glowing. Heck, yeah. Turn the lights on. Turn the lights off. Bowling is still a lot of fun. Look, last episode, Reading Rainbow, we talked about, I learned about a bowling factory, bowling ball factory. <laughs> so you're still now stuck on global. it. <laughs> Forget Duck Hunt. Let's just do bowling for an episode. <laughs> I love that you're a bowling club. What a great discovery on this show. So a little bit of a tangent here. I just want to say when I was trying to research Duck Hunt, I did find an article that claimed like Duck Hunt, the OG first person shooter. To be honest, it was a big acronym. It was OG FPS. Trying to say it was the original gangster first-person shooter? That's not true. Okay. And all that I could read up, to be a first-person shooter, you as the protagonist need to move. That seems to be like a defining factor of what a first-person shooter is. And in Duck Hunt, you do not move. You stay very stationary. It seems to be the real first-person shooter. The first one is Wolfenstein 3D from 1992. Yes, sir. Which finds its origins in 1973 and 74 with games like Maze War and Spasm. Which, dude was developed at the University of Illinois. 
Oh, very nice. So the origins of the FPS video game started there. Alma Mater. Okay, getting back on track. I'm sorry, I got really distracted. So 1973, we're we're shooting virtual ducks in bowling alleys that have been abandoned. Yes. The following year, we have the gas crisis, the global gas crisis that happens. Price in oil in Japan just shoots up by 400%. And so all these empty bowling alleys, or I guess real estate brokers that had owned the land the bowling alleys were on, cancel all of their Duck Hunt arcade orders for Nintendo. Mm. And it puts Nintendo in $4 million in debt. Oh, wow. Holy crap. And they're like, what are we going to do? So they wanted to try and like figure out how to make this concept more affordable and smaller than a whole bowling alley where you go to shoot virtual ducks with other things. So Nintendo shrinks down their bowling alley scale Duck Hunt game into about the size of a photo booth. And they call the game, it's a Wild West theme, Wild Gunman. Okay. Which is a huge hit in Japan. Can you think of a, maybe you found this in your research, a massive 80s property where we see this game? Oh, not off the top of my head. So in Back to the Future 2, when when Michael J. Fox goes to the future and he goes to the diner, Reagan welcomes him, Michael J. Fox takes his order. Max Headroom, yeah, exactly. And yeah. the two little kids, the, the arcade game against the wall that Michael J. Fox is so good at playing, and the kids are like, that's a baby's game, Right, is Wild Gunman from 1974 oh, from Japan. That? You know, when you said that, I was like, I'm probably going to know it when you say it, but it wasn't retrievable. But now that you right? say that, I know exactly what you're talking about. So now, like, whenever I watch that again, it's going to have, like, a lot of significance of, like, that's, like, the first shooter game. That's the first... Really? Also, everybody, it's a little bit of a nod to the third movie where they go right, back right, to the right. old west. Where they go back to the past. <laughs> all right, here's my last 70s call out because this is where really this all starts. And these are so neat. This is another toy. I can't wait to put a picture up on Instagram because these are hilarious. Okay. So 1976, there is this game, electronic toy that comes out called the Bean Gun Duck Hunt, which is part of the Bean Gun series. This is a toy designed by Gunpei, the same guy who came up with the whole bowling alley thing. And Gunpei's big at Nintendo. He also invented Game & Watch and also later invents the Game Boy. Is that like pre-Netflix and chill, Game & Watch? Yeah, you just game and what watch. Is- it's like, you're like, I don't want to be involved in this. I'll just sit in the corner and watch you guys game. So Gunpei teams up with uh, Masayuki Iyamura. This is another designer guy. And when you were also, when you were a kid, do you remember the little toys where it would be like some four-legged animal... It's a little toy that fits in your hand. It's like wood and string. And you would press a button on the bottom and it would collapse. Like the little thing would just like... And then if you let go of the button, it would stand up straight again. Very simple, Mm. cheap, wooden kind of toy. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Maybe if I saw one. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So these things are like the size of a pigeon. And they are named Custom Lion, Custom Gunman, Custom Target. And it's just like this collapsing idea. Think of like a cartoon lion... And it's got a little, it's got a little target on its chest, and it comes with like a, like a six shooter kind of toy gun. Okay. And you would just set this thing across the room from yourself, and you try to shoot the target. And if you shoot the target on the lion, the lion like collapses, and then you go reset it back up. Hmm. That's how the line started. But then Gunpei and Masayuki were like, "Hey, they said they want to do the bowling alley thing, but at home, how about this?" So the game would come with, like, a mini projector. This is actually really cool. I actually, like, this is a really neat toy. So you get it, like, you buy the box, and the box comes with with a shotgun, like a toy Old West shotgun, and a projector. 
and you would hook this thing up at home and would project these ducks flying around on the wall and you would shoot at it with wow. the, with this toy shotgun. It sounds expensive. Like it sounds cool, but yeah, very this sounds pricey. Like kind of a high end toy. But I guess I guess it's supposed to not be as ex- I mean, not as expensive as buying a bowling alley and setting up a well, bunch of them. This is supposed to be their cost cutting. I don't know. Wait, I had to buy a bowling alley to play that original version? No wonder it didn't work. <laughs> Step one, buy a bowling alley. So Step two, install <laughs> our game. It's that easy, everybody. It's Come on. that easy. Step three, profit. Those yeah, are my profit. favorite South Park episodes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. So, like, the projector is following the path of the duck, and the light beam that comes from the gun hits off it, reflects back to the projector that's recognizing hmm. the hit. So the, the recognition sensor is in the projector. Okay. And then the projector, when it senses it, would actually just start setting the ducks in a different direction. And then you just keep trying to go at it. So that's great. Hmm. So all this comes to a head in 1983 when the Famicom is released, short for Family Computer. Uh, and, of course, this is the Japanese version of the Nintendo. Yeah. And they wanted to figure out how to take this concept. Because, again, these are all Nintendo games. Beam games, these, like... Remember, Nintendo started as a, a card-playing company. So these are all right. toys. They're like, how can we put this on the new Nintendo thing? Boom. Gunpei's like, watch me work. I love it. So Nintendo Research and Development 1, that's the division that kind of like makes all the cool hardware stuff that Nintendo comes up with. Gunpei's the producer on it. Uh, the graphics were by Hiroji Kiyotake, whose like biggest na- claim to fame is he came up with Wario. Like the Uh-oh. idea of the evil Mario. Genius. I love Genius. Mario. Uh, almost as much as I love Waluigi. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> the music for the game is composed by Hirokatsu Tanaka, who was like the man in the 80s. He came up with all the Mario music in the 80s, all the Donkey Kong music, Metroid, and Tetris. Oh. Uh, so this guy is like the earworm of your Nintendo yeah. 80s childhood. Absolutely. So they're supposed to develop both Duck Hunt for the game, and they came up with what is referred to as the NES Zapper, the Nintendo Entertainment System Zapper. This is the gun, the iconic gun that comes with it. The whole project is kind of managed by Takehiro Izushi. Okay. And so the Famicom comes out in 83, and this is the same time we're having the collapse of the entire video game market. This is the the famous Mm. video game crash. Nintendo is like betting the farm again and again. So Famicom comes first, and then in 84, in April the next year, it's released as an arcade game in the U.S. versus Duck Hunt. Did you find hmm. this, like, differentiation in research? There's Duck Hunt, and then there's versus Duck Hunt. You know, I'd heard that term, and I didn't quite know what it was. So that's the arcade version of the game? Versus Duck Hunt. Yeah, in an arcade. Okay. Similar graphics, similar music. Is it like those games where you're both trying to shoot the ducks and you try to get more than the other player? Yes. And I love, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that we lost out on this with the Nintendo in the States, but in the Famicom one in Japan, it came with a holster where you could put your little six shooter on your hip what? for a duck hunt. We Come were on. robbed, people. Robbed. Now, you said this right in your summary, which is great. You're like, why do I know Duck Hunt so well? Like, a Duck Hunt is just like triggering something nostalgic for me. Well, it's a launch title. It comes with the Nintendo. So if you got a Nintendo, I mean, the chances were super high that you were forcibly, whether you liked it or not, exposed to Duck Hunt that morning when you got your Nintendo. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, just the concept nowadays of consoles by default coming with a game yeah, is sadly a thing of the past. Like, that was just a given 
And yeah, there's like bundle packages now where you can get a game with yeah. the console. Yeah. And I get it like on one hand, it's like if it's a game you don't want, it's kind of a waste. So like I do kind of get it for like the cost reasons. But there's just something about the fact that when you buy a console, you've already got, well, in this case, two games at the ready to play. That's super cool. It is super cool. And it's like video game manufacturers, we know why you're doing it. But like throw us a bone here. Like put a package of games, same price with the console. They were doing it right in the 80s. Come on. What's wrong with you? So Happy Halloween, October 1985, it comes out the NES Deluxe set. This is the first of these combo packages you're talking about. Comes yeah. with the console, two normal controllers, the light zapper, and R-O-B. Do you know who R-O-B is? This is the robot, right? That is correct. R-O-B is an acronym for Robotic Operating Buddy. It came with a robot. Now, I don't remember what the robot did. I seem to... Remember, it really had no true function. So the robot is very strategic. This is very, very interesting, actually. So again, we're in the video game crash two years earlier, 1983. And what Nintendo is trying to do is convince the world that it is not producing a video game system, that this is a toy. Okay. Hence why the gun is coming with it. That feels more toy-like. So I just think it's interesting that the gun and the, and the robot exist just to try and convince people these aren't video games. They're toys. Please buy our stuff. Don't worry about the video game market. This is the toy market. Well, and this is the second origin story. This is also the origin story of Nintendo being like accessories. Now that, right. yeah, that's, that's going to come in That's the real market. That's going to be huge. So Rob is a robot that you could actually like kind of like plug in along as like a second player kind of deal. And it came with two games, Gyromite and Stack Up. And Rob could actually, like, you could play against and with Rob with these games. The robot would sort of, like, animate a little bit and sort of, like, he actually physically moved and did stuff in the real world. So he's he's kind of for the latchkey kid population of the 80s the where it's like, kid you don't have a friend at home. Well, now you can have a robot friend <laughs> who will beat you guy. instead of a human friend. Shockingly, Rob doesn't do well. People don't like the robot. It's not that interesting. It kind of... And it's sort of like people, I th- maybe if I were to guess, people were like, no, I wanted video games. What is this? I didn't want to buy a robot. I am into video games. So three years later, they scrap the robot and they come out with the NES action set, which has a console, two controllers, the light zapper, and what you said, the Duck Hunt and Super Mario Bros. combo cartridge. So both games mm-hmm. are one cartridge. Mario had come out three years earlier by itself. April 4th, 1985 on the Famicom, and 86 on Nintendo in America, but they hadn't combined it yet. And this is why this episode's so important. Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers were likely, for many people, the first console games they ever played. Unless you're yeah. a slightly elder fan of the 80s gaming, and then you might have had an Atari or a Commodore 64 that you were gaming on. Don't forget in television, sir. Thank you very How much. How dare I? How dare you? Should have checked myself before I wrecked yeah. myself, and here I am in the bottom of an accident. You done got wrecked. Right. So that, that's why I think this is really interesting. Is like, I forgot it was a launch title double bundle. Like, yeah. that's why so many people know this, because you, you just got it by default. The last one they try again later at the end of 88 in December for a holiday set called the NES Power Set. So you get all the stuff that the action set had. You get the combo game. You get the light zapper. You get two controllers. You get Duck Hunt. You get Super Mario Brothers. But you also get world-class track meet with a power pad. The power pad. Did you get to use either of these things ever? 
I've used the power pad. We did not own it, but I know people who did, and we definitely played that track and field game that you're talking about using the power pad, 100%. I feel like I saw it. It was always, like, folded up and shoved, like, behind the TV. Like, I never actually got to, like... It wasn't until, like, 20 years later when, like, Dance Dance Revolution came out that, like, running around your living room on a set pad was cool again. It was basically Twister, but pressure activated so it's basically like let's yeah. take a giant controller cross it with twister. a twister mat and now you have a game it's kind of what it was because there were like rows and columns of buttons so i'm coming down the home stretch here on history but we can't leave this without the zapper the zapper is the most iconic thing the light gun how does this thing work how was it developed we've talked about duck hunt the game yeah how do we get the gun going on First of all, I thought about this listening to Reading Rainbow and my lead-in for this topic and how when you encountered Nintendo, you saw a different gun. So the launch gun that came with this, the launch light zapper, was two tones of gray, dark gray yep. and light gray. I saw a lot of uh, comparisons to the RoboCop gun, which is pretty sweet. It's like on-the-nose yeah. 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starting in 1989, the zapper was neon orange with gray. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's because in the late 80s, there were a number of incidents where law enforcement mistook a toy gun for a real gun in the hands of multiple children. So to try and protect the youth, there were laws passed that any kind of toy guns had to be clearly marked as toy guns. They could not look real to try and, you know, keep kids safe. So that's why you start getting the the plastic orange thing on the end of a bunch of toys, Nerf guns, super soakers, you know, they look crazy. So I'm old enough to remember both the before and the after. Yes. Do you know how many games did the light gun work with on the Nintendo? Hmm. Probably not a lot. I always thought it was just Duck Hunt. Nay, good sir. 16 different games for the Nintendo were produced. That's actually more than I thought. I was going to say a handful, so that's Most of these, neither you nor our listeners have heard of. Probably. After Duck Hunt, like, it's a way big drop down. Like, so yep. I mentioned Wild Gunman. That was the first arcade version. So that was, like, a video game version of it. And uh, Hogan's Alley was the next most popular one. The rest mm-hmm. of these, like, Gumshoe, Operation Wolf, no one's heard of these. So did you do some science? Did you do some engineering research? Can you tell us how the gun works? So effectively how it works, you're pointing the gun at the screen, the duck comes out. You pull the trigger, click. A couple things happen. And you'll know this. If you don't remember it and you watch a video, you'll see it and you'll probably be like, oh, yeah. The entire screen at that point, let's just say momentarily freezes and turns black. Yes. And there's a white square rectangle where the duck is on the screen currently or ducks if there's multiple. And basically what happens is the gun has a light detector. And if it sees white light, it's pointed at the right direction. Then it knows you've hit where the duck is and the duck is shot and then it scores a hit versus a miss and so basically it's just reading the scan pattern of crt pixels and that's how it's able to determine whether or not you've pointed the gun at the appropriate thing to get the hit get the score nab the duck i'll give you like a b plus plus like really 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 close but you're not going to (laughs) go or whatever that little noise is when the dog chuckles in your no, face. No, I would never I would never be such a mocky you dog. And man, we are going to get into that hound later. I have a lot. We have a lot to talk about with that dang dog. 
Okay. The only thing that's a little different what you described is when there are two ducks on the screen, there's actually three different frames used. So the, the whole screen will go black, and then the screen will go black with a white square on one of the ducks, and then there'll be a third mm. frame that's all black with a white square on the other duck. So they don't show up simultaneously. There is a delay. Yeah, but it's like super fast, which will explain well, how sure, to, why yeah. in a second. But um, the reason they set this up is because there's huge contrast. They needed something that was like polar opposites because you're in a room and they don't know what kind of color or lighting you're going to have in your room. So right. Nintendo said we need the polar opposites, black and white, to be able to tell if you're shooting the duck. And this game came out when your only option for television was a cathode ray tube screen, also known as a CRT. Old timey, baby. Old timey. So a CRT screen has pixels that glow when electrons hit it. The CRT sprays a stream of electrons across these pixels, which makes the TV have that kind of glow, that staticky glow. This sweeps progressively from top to bottom, all these electrons left to right. And it happens so fast, around 100 times per second, that we just don't see it. Yeah. Now, we did poll our fans on Instagram and ask them, does the Duck Hunt gun work on our more modern LCD and HD TVs? Yeah, and we were pretty split. It was not quite 50-50, but close. We had a little more who said no versus yes. Did you know before we asked that question if it would work or not? You know, I think I knew, and I don't remember why, that it didn't work on modern TVs. Yeah, we're just, we just don't have the uh, CRT electron spread anymore for it to do the flashing. Well, and so apparently because the plasma LED LCD is continuously lighting each pixel, you don't have that pattern right. recognition for the gun to pick up on. So it doesn't know what's going on. It just does not compute. Which makes me sad. That's a whole other can of worms of like... Why it's hard to replay this game right now. I mean, we can talk about it later, but there are people who have tried to hack it and create workarounds that do work on modern TVs. But, you know, you can't dust off your old zapper, plug no. it into your modern TV and expect it to work. That sadly will not happen. But let's get back to the good news. So Duck Hunt comes out and it is a smashing success. It's one of the top-selling video games of all time. It comes in at number three with 28.31 million units sold. Oh, question. Question in the back of the class. Listeners, my hand is up. You can't see it. Uh, yes, you, Christopher, in the back. Is that fair? Because isn't no, it's not by fair. virtue of selling 100%. the Nintendo Entertainment System, you sold the game? Okay. That was exactly the same kerfuffle okay. <laughs> I spotted in these numbers. <laughs> you had to get Duck Hunt if you wanted a Nintendo. Yeah. I didn't do enough research to find out like if the bundling stopped happening at some point with Nintendo and if you could get a Nintendo without Duck Hunt. I actually do kind of want to go research this and I will follow up in the next episode of 80s High. Oh, there we go. To see if we find it. So versus Duck Hunt, this is the arcade version, was also the third top grossing arcade software in the charts in 1985 in November, right below uh, Hogan's Alley, which was one of the other shooter games that came out on the NES later. Now that I feel more confident in, because that you actually have to go to the arcade, pop in your quarters, so that number makes more sense. It's not a forced buy. You're not like, it's not a, 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 a tag-along statistic where you're like, we sold 300 million games, when in actuality, we sold 300 million <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment Systems, and some people may have never even turned Duck Hunt on. Right? I'm going to put two words together here that you're going to love to hear. Just some nostalgia coming at you, so just strap in, prepare your body. Duck Hunt was rated the 150th best game made on any Nintendo system 
in Nintendo Power's top 200 games list. Ah, uh, uh, Nintendo Power. Now you're like 150th, like Duck Hunt. Like, are you even trying? I did look at this. For the Nintendo Entertainment System alone, there were 716 video games produced. There's a lot. So 150th, not bad in the history of Nintendo. IGN placed it at number 77 on its top 100 NES games of all time. This is my last little reception thing. I found an article from 2021 from The Gamer that listed the 10 best video games featuring ducks. Okay. Now, any system. Any system, any video game ever made. Okay. It's number 10 of the best games featuring ducks. Can you name any other games? Well, to go back to the top of the class, is there any DuckTales in there? 1985's DuckTales on the Nintendo Entertainment System is number five. I would put that one at number one for Duck games, but it is only number five. Now, when you're in trouble, you phone a friend, and when there's trouble, you call DW. Is Darkwing Duck on there? Christopher, Darkwing Duck Let's Get Dangerous is number two on the list. Ah, vindication. Well done. I don't recognize any of the others. There's there's one more from a game. Uh, Number one goes to Sukoden 3 features the waddling warrior Sergeant Joe some sort of I have not played those that series I don't know it if it's not a titular character what are we doing here what was that indie game goose game goose game was all big like four years ago stealing stuff out of a garden is uh is flappy bird on there did flappy bird make the list I did oh <laughs> I, I did not put game? flappy bird on there I should have put flappy bird I don't on think there. it's a duck but <laughs> That is all I have for history, and I just want to point out, like, I didn't go into the history of retriever breeding, could have gone deeper into hunting, even even the invention of gunpowder to talk about armaments, but I didn't. I feel like I really restrained myself this time. Uh, you did good, kid. I, I'm shocked that history class isn't going on for another two and a half hours on the director's <laughs> cut <laughs> version director's of cut this of episode Duck of 80's Eye. Oh no, my this God. is wonderful. I, I am actually itching. I have a trigger finger itch to get to chemistry class because I really want to talk more about just like our experiences with this game and just fun memories and thoughts and feelings and all that good stuff. I am 100% down with that. Oh get my it? God. Get it? Oh down, my God. Like down feathers? The, like only, a, the only thing that's worse is like a, when you a, try to feather. describe it. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's been gotten. They always say that like if you have to explain a joke, it means you're just really passionate about expressing the art of crafting the joke. And is it's that good the for excuse the for that's what they say beating, for beating the dead duck? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> Let's do that. That's good. Okay, I'll see you, Chemistry Class. <laughs> okay, sounds good. We've made it down here, and usually Chris and I are lab buddies, but he's kicked my stool over. There's nowhere for me to sit yeah. next to him in chemistry class. So if you met Marty McFly in the diner, mm. you're talking over a good game of Wild Gunman, and he's like, I like you, buddy. Here, I have a time machine. Let's go back to little Chris's youth. Where do you mm. two find little Chris first encountering Duck Hunt? Well, first I tell Ronald Reagan and Ayatollah Khomeini to stop fighting. All I want is a Pepsi. That's the first thing you do. All I so. want is a Pepsi. It's amazing. So good. <laughs> so ridiculous. Oh, my God. So, I mean, Nintendo, we definitely had the NES. I cannot pinpoint the year we got it, but yeah. I know this much. And your your history helped me to nail it down. Oh, good. 
Because we had the version that came with Duck Hunt, and we had the OG gray two-tone oh, zapper. Oh, yeah. So it was pre-89, of course. I remember my brother and I played it. I always thought it was hilarious when you got to higher levels and the ducks were like just flying around at like Like ridiculous speeds, zigging and zagging. I remember the dog, but I kind of forgot that he would like cackle at you when you messed up. He's so happy with himself. Such a shimarmy little mutt. And then the other thing I just remember is the gun was so fun. Like if you were ever playing like a sci-fi shoot 'em up or whatever, it kind of served well as like having, you know... A little gun, because, you know, you kind of click it. And I was even watching one end of the uh, Angry Video Game Nerd where he was like, my friends and I would plug it in and you could fire anywhere just because it would make the sound effect. So, like, the TV just provided the sound, even if you weren't pointing at the TV. And I was like, oh, that's a great point. But uh, those are some of my early memories of playing this game and just, you know, remembering the hardware and... Having a good time with it. But, you know, it was also a game you didn't play for hours. It wasn't like Mario Brothers. It wasn't like Contra. Uh -uh. You weren't playing this half a day if you could get away with it. Which I think I'm going to leave for contemporary culture. But I think that is an indicator of a lot of challenges Nintendo has faced Mm? going forward. I think I know where we're going with that. I want to talk about that more because I think I agree with you. But yeah, yeah, let's 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 come back to it. But how about you? Any early old school memories? Did you play this game? I mean, you you're a little bit younger than me, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't remember how much OG Nintendo playing you got to do. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a Nintendo. My first console was a surprise Super Nintendo. Okay, that was your first console, but you had the Game Boy before that, right? right. Game Boy was like okay. my first video game device. Okay, and then you got the Super Nintendo. You might recall in a homeroom uh, this season, not too long ago, I mentioned I remembered playing Double Dragon. That I, I pulled up yes. Double Dragon and playing it just brought back all these memories that were really locked. Like, And again, not memories, but the feeling of being very young. And I think I played Duck Hunt the same night I played Double Dragon. Oh, okay. My parents were at a dinner party at someone's house, and I was like up in a... I don't know, like a general entertainment room on the second floor. And there was an older, not my sibling, but someone's older child was also at the house. And they were like kind of pseudo babysitting me. And they just kind of hooked me up on their Nintendo. And I think that's where I got to play Double Dragon and Duck Hunt. Mm. The other one, and maybe maybe this is just like an indicator that I keep getting really negligent babysitters as a child. But I remember another babysitter coming over. And he pulled out from his backpack. He had just brought his whole Nintendo setup. And he hooked up. I didn't have a console yet. And he hooked up his Nintendo to the TV. And it had the zapper gun. And I just played that. And he did his homework all night. Like, we didn't interact. I just played his Nintendo for hours. Now, I want to take issue with your word negligent. When I think it should be supplanted with the word freaking awesome. Best it's, it's babysitter. Awesome. It's pretty Leave good. me alone. Give me something cool to play with. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. So those are my two memories. Did you – now here's the thing. This was one of the really challenging parts of this 80s high Yeah, is that I don't have a CRTV and I don't have an NES. So this was like a topic I couldn't actually go play Duck Hunt before we recorded as part of the research. I had to watch – a walkthrough, a playthrough of the game. Yeah, and like even if you found an emulator that you could play like on the computer with like a mouse, right? You're still not getting like the full experience because, you know, there's just something about 
pointing that gun, pulling the trigger and hoping for the best. You're like, I think I'm aimed at the right location. Like there is no good sight on it. I feel like if you're good at point and click games, first person shooters with a mouse and keyboard, and usually there's a cursor. So that, that kind of, I won't say it's a cheat, but usually you've got like an indicator of where you're pointing. And if, if you have experience with it, you're probably just knocking birds out of the sky. It's raining birds. You know, there's something about this that I, and, and this is going to come back up in my final math evaluation too. But like, we're so jaded with time because so many of us and our listeners, you've either heard of or been to a game works. You've been to Dave and Buster's. You've been to arcades. You've you've done shooters. You've seen all the silly hardware Nintendo's come out with since this, the the Wii and all the stuff like that. And so the idea of like, oh, you shoot a gun at a home screen TV, whatever. This was mind blowing at the time it came out. You mm. know, personal computers, at home computers, were still a very new concept. So the idea that you oh, could sure. do something in the physical world and affect change on a screen was yeah. a massive event and so like yeah it really was the fun gimmick of the gun you needed the physical gun to make this game happen yeah absolutely there's no way you could use the d-pad and no. the a or no. b button and try no. to like chase the birds around there's just no way that no. would work so yeah to your point i think uh i ended up just watching videos about it and trying to catch some playthroughs which you can find on youtube you just don't get the experience of actually doing it yourself and experiencing the jank you know we talk about jank on here sometimes and this game was not without its jank in terms of like did it really do what it was supposed to do i am remember you could like put the gun right up to the screen screen. and shoot and sometimes it wouldn't even hit and you're like what here's i really need to get into it with you i watched a 25 minute playthrough of Duck Hunt that was 24 minutes too long. I was going to say, did you scrub? Or I did, did scrub. Actually... I, had to, I had to scrub eventually. Yeah. Yeah, that's too much. Look, I'm going to come right out and say it. If there's no physical gun or a friend in the room, this game is one of the most boring games to watch in history. 200%. There's no value in watching a, just a straight playthrough without people talking about it and then intermixing like their commentary with like a close-up of the gun and talking about it. And then you yeah. switch back to gameplay. I'll tell you the best one I watched, actually. It was um, a teen's react. Okay, I have, I almost wrote down every quote from this video. I want to okay. talk about the teen reaction with you. I love this video. It's the best. Because that best. was honestly the best way to revisit it and to see it through a non-nostalgic lens. Because part of it, too, is like, We talk about this all the time. Nostalgia is rose-colored glasses. And sometimes you're like, I'm going to be a little soft on something because, you know, it's from my childhood and I loved it so much, even if it's got a little jank today. These kids have no endearment to this thing. No. And a Gen Z will tell you when something is absolutely atrocious. And and rightfully so, because some of that stuff was was garbage. So this is a great YouTube channel. That has been around for a while. It's called Teens React to Blank. And they just give teens old stuff that people like us think is awesome. <laughs> like old nostalgia. Yeah. It's not all video games. It's all it's like movies, TV, toys, clothing, like jelly jellies. An old telephone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just they record like, what do they think? And the kids are honest, I think. And they're pretty funny. So this yeah. one is from seven years ago. Teens React to Duck Hunt. And it's pretty long. And they have what? Maybe like six or seven kids play. Yeah, they're the about. Game. Yeah. And the kids are all very different from one another. What are some? I mean, I really wrote down a lot of quotes. I thought this was delightful to watch. What did you? What did you think? What struck you? 
So I don't have any quotes, but what I thought was impressive is they all really freaking enjoyed it. They did! Like every single one of – there wasn't one kid who was like – this is ridiculous. Do I still have to play? Can I finish now? None of that. They were like, oh, I can do better. Wait, what level? And it kind of goes through an elimination process. Like you sort of follow each kid along till there's one who gets the farthest. So you say nobody wants to do this like I'm done. They do sort of quietly disappear one child. There's, there's like, oh, do they? Okay, I, like... I will admit I did a little bit of scrubbing on this video, but at least I saw every kid one time there's one sweet the kid in the beginning who is terrible at the game and she's just like oh look there's a dog i don't want to kill the dog uh and then like i think i remember her yeah they just show her missing 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 and then she's not in it anymore that's hilarious (laughs) no explanation you know it's kind of one of those things too where you might expect like the boys are into it and the girls aren't or whatever no those girls were right in it they were being competitive except the one girl who was just like in love with everything. Right. It was like, well, the one girl screams like, she's like, this game is so much fun. I want a Nintendo. Like she, like it made her want the old system. Yeah. One of the kids who's getting cocky because he's doing really well does a no look trick shot. He's like, yeah. he like closes his eyes and points and he hits the duck and, and he, he like loses duck. it. He's so he's excited. Like, I hit it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that was a great video. That was great. I loved it. Um, some of the other quotes, I mean, it opens. The first quote is, this game is almost twice as old as me. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, we know. Just like we did as kids, a lot of them have a lot of disdain for the dog early out. Like, they all want to kill the yeah. dog. He's one, a jerk. one kid's like, you laughing at me? Who's laughing now, homeboy? While he's, like, <laughs> shooting ducks. One one kid goes, like, I'll shoot you too, dog. PETA, please don't call me. That's funny. My favorite is one of the girls you mentioned. She's like, I could play it forever. I want to play it again and again. I was thoroughly entertained. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe we're just bitter sometimes. We can be jaded that, like, younger generations just won't get the things we loved. But this was one where they thought Duck Hunt was awesome. And I guess for me, I don't think it's a jaded thing so much because, like, there's things that, like, our parents like that as kids you're like, I don't get it. Like, I still don't have the full appreciation for – what's the Orson Welles movie, Rosebud? Oh, Citizen Kane? Citizen Kane. That's a foundational movie. And I just don't have an appreciation for it. But if you grew up at that time, you were living that change. So, like, I kind of get it. It's not just, like, kids these days. It's just more like, oh, my God, are they actually going to like this because it's really old and, quite frankly, kind of janky. So, like, eh. But, no, it was a lot of fun. And you brought up, I think, our second Insta poll question. Oh, thank you. Yes. Can you shoot that stupid dog? I love that you asked this question. With the answers yes, no, and trick question. Now, surprisingly, nobody was baited to say yes. Yeah, right. And we had a mix on no and trick question. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you, Ben. I don't actually remember the answer to this. But I think you said trick question is correct. It is, in fact, trick question. Explain, please. So on the home console version, you cannot shoot the dog. If you shoot the dog, the little... Like, the screen will go black, and it'll show, like, if there's any target on screen, but nothing happens to the dog. The dog is protected. Okay. So this dog, who also weirdly never got a name, it's Dog. Just Dog. Duck Hunt Dog or Laughing Dog. Mm-hmm. And again, for those of you who, I guess, I mean, we've, maybe we didn't make that clear enough in history or not. Anytime you miss a duck, the dog laughs at you. Like, <laughs> like, and, like he's animated, yeah. paws up by his mouth. And I think it's just a big deal because, like... I'm not sure any toys or video games had ever mocked the child back before. Like, had ever mocked you for poor performance before. This is schadenfreude. He is so amused that you are awful. Right. 
You can shoot him, however, in the arcade versus game. Okay. Because in the arcade version, he's kind of an obstacle. When he, in the arcade version, the dog leaps into the grass, is animated, and flushes the ducks. Right. And then he'll sort of jump playfully in the air chasing the ducks while they're flying around and you're trying to shoot them. So you can accidentally shoot him. So this is like those other shooter games out there, which I'm sure we'll get to in contemporary culture, where innocent bystanders run by. Yes. Like you have to shoot the zombies, yes. but then like a mother and child run across the screen and you have to not shoot right. them or you lose points. So right. it's almost like a proto version of that. Yeah. So he gets he gets singed and then he sort of limps off the screen with a cast on his leg and crutches. So he makes it. Do you lose points? Do you know? Uh, That's a good question. I do not know. Okay. All right. So yes, it's a little, a little column A, little column B that you can shoot the dog. Well, we didn't get it past some of our Insta followers. Well done. Yes. Thank you for being on it. Just a couple of other observations. And then I want to like, I want to hear what you thought of your watch throughs as well. Yeah. But like, you know, this game also succeeded because it had a really cartoony look to it. Think of like what like E.T. or any kind of games on the Atari looked like, you know, very blocky. But this had more of like almost a Saturday morning cartoon kind of feel with the dog. So sort of like fun for kids. That was great. It was much more interactive than the other shooting games. All the shooting games I had talked about beforehand, the targets didn't move. And Wild Gunman, the gunslinger, didn't move. The custom lion toy, physical toy in your house, obviously there's not a toy running around unless you're part of the Annabelle series and the toy is running around your house causing a <laughs> that you turn to blast. Don't forget Chucky. Come on. Also Chucky. Thank you. That's a little more 80s. Thank you. Um, so this like took some skill and was kind of fun. Like it was, it, things were moving. And the last little part about this, I didn't know this, but there's a difference between the ducks. There are these green-headed black ducks. These go slow. These are easy to shoot. There are brown ducks that go fast. And these, I think, are the ducks you were talking about at the beginning. There are blue ducks that, like, fly all over the place. There's a, they're very unpredictable. Oh, they just zigzag and... Yeah, it's a frenetic flight pattern for sure. And there's a couple unknowns I'm just curious. Chris, do you know... Can you beat this game? Oh, good question. Is there a final level? I'm going to say... Probably. Like, is there a final level to Candy Crush? I don't know. It's oh, a good question. Maybe. You're on level 697 Nobody or whatever. Nobody has done is enough microtransactions in? to find out if you can know, get right? that high up. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. That's correct. There are 99 rounds in Duck Hunt. And again, you keep okay. having to shoot more and more ducks and they move faster and harder and crazier. And if you do that, there's a kill screen. So it goes dark, goes to round zero. And then at round zero, the game is so crazy, no one can play. So there are some levels where you can't Mm. see the ducks. You're just shooting the screen, hoping you're hitting them. Targets move like insane. It's just impossible. Wasn't there a guy who broke the Donkey Kong arcade game because he got so far into it? Like the game just couldn't. It was almost like the game reached its version of a Y2K bug. Like it couldn't compute a score and like blew up or something. Well, it didn't blow up, but you know. I know know. there's a documentary out there. I think it's called King of Kong. That is about like the two dudes who like fight for the top score in the arcade game. Oh, yeah. I I swear there was something where he got so far, like maybe the score glitched out. It was something where like the game kind of glitches because it just did not compute how far somebody got. But technically there's no end to it, but I think there's- like a technical end because the the software can't handle it or something like that. But anyway. Right. The only other fun like did you know I had is did you know – so we talked about the versus and the arcade was two-player. Did you know the home game was also two-player? 
So I had read this. I don't remember it. And I'm a little confused because I think to play this game, the regular controller had to be in the first slot and then the gun was in the second slot. So could you then on the first slot control the ducks as a like a second person? Yes. Now, I feel like control is a generous term for what you're doing here because I actually do remember getting to do this. But yeah, player two can control, quote unquote, the ducks. And it's basically like once the duck launches, you can hit left and right on the directional pad and it'll change the direction of the duck. So go left. Can you do that multiple times? Yeah, you can just keep tapping back and forth. And the the game still decides when the duck leaves. So it's not like you are – it's not like you have a thumbstick and you are – your precise movements are being mirrored by the duck. It's more like um, go left, now go right, now go up, now go down. Okay. You have the control that Pong has. (laughs) You have two paddles. You get to say go the other direction now. All right. So, yeah, very loose, loose control. Yeah. You know, in watching these playthroughs – Look, I told you, I, there was a 25-minute one that was 24 minutes too long, and I scrubbed a lot, which, played, mm. which shows a lot of my poker hand. Yeah. Besides these delightful teens, how did you feel about watching Duck Hunt get played? Similarly, it's like, okay, you watch about a minute or two and you get it. I think the most entertaining long watch was that Teens React yeah, video, so yeah. I'm glad that exists out there. Like, even watching Angry Game Nerd, like, I don't think he covered it on his show, but there's a video of him playing with, like, a, this other guy, and they're kind of talking about it. And even that wasn't, like, it was only nine minutes, but even that I kind of, like, jumped around a little bit in. Yeah. There's just not a lot of substance to it, but I will say this much. Uh, when the title screen music kicked on and then you get this bouncy tune that starts you see the dog sniffing the ground the music goes out and the dog goes and jumps into the field that was all pure nostalgia in fact i'm going to play all that audio right here Again, those are the things you don't remember, but as soon as you hear it, you're Huge. like, I've come home. And that all clicked in all the way down to the roar, roar, like <laughs> with the silence, and he just disappears into the field. So that was great. I loved all that. But, you know, beyond it, I just think, like, we're both board gamers. This is the game you pull out at the beginning of a game night. Sure, 100%. It's the light game. It gets people in the mood. You kick things off. You don't have to pay a lot of attention. It's fast fun, but it wears out its welcome after a playthrough, and then you put it aside and you go play a real game. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It serves that purpose like board games do, where you're like, okay, we're just going to play something quick and fun here at the top, just something that's fast-paced and not super complicated, not a ton of rules. And this is that like video game version. If you had like a friend's night to play retro games, yeah. this would be the novelty you break out sure. for like no more than a half hour. People will be so excited to see it, but exactly, after half an hour, they're like, we're done with this, no more. What's next? What else we got? Put in the four score. We're going to play Nightmare on Elm Street. We're going to be Dream oh, Warriors fighting yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, I think I think you're really on point with the audio. That, like, the sound effects and the music yes. are so nostalgia trip-inducing. 
and even the sound of the gun, whether you hit a duck or not, that yeah, that like yeah. it's it's just the '80s digital sound for an explosion is this gun shooting. Well, and then you get the like in between when like yeah, like and usually the dog will pop up and like it'll have the bird in hand like if you shot one and then he pops back down. But it's very repetitive to that point. Like after a while, you're like, okay, I get it. And watching it, almost no value whatsoever because. There's just – there's not much there yeah, there. So. Hard agree. Hard agree. Is there anything else in chemistry class here that you'd like to cover about duck physiology, dog husbandry, uh, any other sciences with the game you want to get into? Well, so I mean it would be interesting to talk about the this genre of shooting games, yes. which you see a lot in arcades and then in some later consoles. Do you want to talk about those here or do you want to wait and get into that a little bit in contemporary culture? I do have that teed up for – contemporary. Well, then I'll put a pause on that because I definitely have some more thoughts about this genre. And like I maybe said, I don't know if I said this on mic, but I have a bold claim. Ooh. Perhaps. I love it. Question mark? I have a claim I'm going to make. Maybe it's bold. Maybe you're like, yeah, duh, of course. But I want to throw something out there because it got me thinking about it and doing the research. But I think for now, we've talked about duck hunt proper. Okay. I think, yeah, maybe we wrap up chemistry and find out what this game influenced. What came next? 100%. I think what could really help us, I think they're doing, it's a really special day downstairs. I heard in the cafeteria they're doing foie gras, which is going to be really nice. And, you know, leftover from the holidays, like we all remember in A Christmas Story, there is some Peking duck we could enjoy. And no dogs. Everybody calm down. We're not going to do the dog thing. He's a jerk. But he does not deserve to be consumed, okay? We're just eating ducks that already got knocked out of the sky. Okay, here's what we're going to have, because this is actually perfect for the dog. Hush puppies. Oh, my God. Hush puppies. Oh, my God. See, Ben, it's funny because the dog is annoying and we want it to stop making noise. And a hush puppy is an actual food item. So there's multiple meanings. See, it's not fun to have a joke explained, is it? Look, can we just press four pause on the dog jokes for a second? Have lunch. (laughs) We'll come back into contemporary culture. We're officially the worst podcast on air. <laughs> Will you be the one to witness the birth of the incredible Nintendo Entertainment System? The one to play with Rob, the extraordinary video robot, batteries not included. He helps you tackle even the toughest challenge. Will you be the first to raise the incredibly accurate Zapper and play games like Duck Hunt or action-packed Hogan's Alley and high-flying Kung Fu, each sold separately? Will you be the one to experience the Nintendo Entertainment System? Comes with Rob, Zapper, Control Deck, two controllers, Gyromite, and Duck Hunt. Look, we we survived the cafeteria. We are fattened. I'm stuffed. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, that was good. We are fattened holiday gooses. And geese. God, we're fattened holiday geese. And we're here now to talk about contemporary culture. And this, you know. Are we going to take a gander at temporary okay, culture? Okay, stop it. This is, this is getting out of control. <laughs> this, is, this is bordering on violence. I Here's the thing. So you may recall earlier in this season, I went for snorks. And I was like. Chris, you're going to come on this adventure with me. I don't know what we're going to find. Maybe there's a mm. wealth of cool stuff here. Maybe not. And I had the same little like nervousness about the light zapper gun and duck hunt. Okay. Because I was like, this could be cool or it could not. And there's nothing here. And this is going to be a lame episode. And I'm going to have to really stretch. And yeah. I feel very confident 
now in retrospect, there's a lot here. Yeah. So the first thing right out of the gate, remember we were just talking in 89 with like the super deluxe set where you get like the power pack and the Olympic games. So 1992, we've got the Super Nintendo console out and the Super Scope gets released. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who it's been too long or you don't know what we're talking about, this looked like a bazooka. What was the Super Scope? I owned this piece of useless garbage technology. It was similar technology, not completely the same, but similar. But they said, what's better than a handgun? How about a two foot long shoulder mount bazooka? Awesome. And you had a handle in the front. You had a sight scope. You could look down. But then oddly, the trigger was on top. It was like this big chunky button. And then they said, you know what else people don't like? Cords. You know what people do like? Burning six AA batteries every half hour (laughs) to use this monstrosity. This thing was terrible, but it looked cool. It was a shoulder-mounted, two-foot-long toy bazooka. The games for it were awful. (laughs) There's no Duck Hunt-like game to give this gun any value. Pure trash. My neighbor slash friend, also named Ben had the super scope i did not have it and that's where i got to play it and i remember a game where it's like a picnic blanket and you're shooting the bugs off it as they come and like try and steal your picnic that was the game i remember playing on it wow do you remember any of these terrible games they were really scraping for it this is how bad they were i know i had this gun i think it came with a game called super scope six okay i looked at it didn't look familiar at all i looked at all the games it was compatible with None of them looked A, good, or B, familiar. (laughs) This was definitely a a novelty that had way less traction and probably cost twice as much than those freaking zapper guns. 100%. Awful. Now, the Super Scope does make some pop culture appearances. It's in the video games Yoshi's Safari and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. And it's actually a weapon that's a random drop on most of the Smash Brothers games. You kind of pick it up and, and throw it at some or shoot it at people. I mean, the only references are self-referential, but fair yeah, enough. The only organization more self-referential than us is Nintendo. That's right. 1994, two years later, there's an Eagle brand potato chip commercial with these two old guys who like basically look like the grumpy old men guys. That's who they are. And okay. one is like super focused playing Duck Hunt. And the other guy is trying to get him to do like a Dorito chip style taste test, but he can't pay attention because he's loving the game so much. Okay. It's a crazy commercial just because like the target marketing is way off. Remember, we're looking for kids that are like seven and these are two dudes in their late 60s playing Duck Hunt. So let's get Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. You know, every kid's favorite two movie stars. Because you wanted to bring up, this is a great time to talk about this. Like, the 90s, I feel like, were the golden era of arcade shooting games. Yeah. What were you blasting? What was going on? What was hot? What changed? What what evolved? I mean, I don't think we fully knew it at the time, but in retrospect, arcade games were just quarter-devouring tricks. Oh, they God. are the oh, carnival games of the 90s. There's like ridiculous carnival games where you're like set up to fail. That's what these arcade yeah, games were. Yeah. Did it stop us from dropping a billion quarters? Of course not. No, no, no. But I mean, gosh, they had everything. I mean, old Western shootout type things yeah. are just like perfect for these point and shoot kind of games. So those are always fun. There's always zombie aliens. There were aliens oh, yeah. ones where you're shooting at the Xenomorphs. Area 51, man. Oh, yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah. 
So there's that class where it's sure. arcade action movie shoot 'em ups. And then there's always that one off into the corner that took itself oh so seriously. Big game hunter, buck trophy, you know, big buck trophy. Those, <laughs> Those games, games were huge. like huge. It was half the arcade. It was this giant monstrosity, but it was, it took itself so seriously. And oh, yeah. I never wanted to play those games because I was like, I want fun. Yeah. This felt like you can't go out hunting because it's not hunting season, but you can come play in the arcade. I'm sure it was great for somebody. I'm not like, I'm against hunting, whatever. It's not even that. It was just like, it wasn't a fun game. It wasn't the same as having like an old Western shootout or, yeah, a bunch of xenomorphs trying to rip your face off. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of this goes back to like the 1970s Japanese bowling alleys. Like, again, this is not, I don't think all these are inspired necessarily by Duck Hunt on the NES at the home console, but NES is a product of these shooting games that Nintendo was working on developing in the 70s. Well, you mentioned that photo booth size version. Yes, precisely. And how many of these did you sit down? In like a little thing, roughly the size of a photo booth. Sometimes you're sitting next to each other. I almost think there's a Jurassic Park one where you're in a vehicle shooting at dinosaurs. Why do you not think that's my favorite one of these that I have written and, down? Okay. Right here and up? like, so it's like you're in a vehicle. And so that is a successor of that photo booth size 100%. version of this Duck Hunt game. 100%. I mean, in this period, I was obsessed with the Jurassic Park rider game that you're talking about obviously i very quickly skirted over area 51 that was like a classical and we played a ton of oh yeah that was, that was huge big. and uh for me terminator 2 judgment day oh duh of course that one stuck out because like you had an uzi instead of like a shotgun or a pistol and you're like just yeah mowing down uh, just spray down the whole thing the thing is like you know we talked about the side scrollers being such like they're just impossible to play so you just keep throwing in quarters, I felt like these shooting games were even a step below in how yeah. egregious they were and just like being ridiculously impossible. Oh, yeah. They drive me crazy because of that, but they were always fun. Like you and your friend could go and They're sometimes great. like maybe there's even like a four person one where you could get like a whole gallery of people oh God, playing. Been, um, so cool. Virtua Cop was big, like Time Splitters or something, I think was one. There's one where there's a foot pedal that you can press the foot pedal and then you would like duck behind cover. Your character. Oh, interesting. Back up. House of the Dead was a big one. You're remembering a lot more of the uh, names than I did, yeah. but a couple of these are ringing a bell. That's the one thing. Like, I remember playing them, but I don't, there wasn't like a one that I was like, I like that one because like name recognition. So there's a few other things. So Duck Hunt does get re-released on a bunch of different weird platforms. So in 2003 on WarioWare, which is sort of like a mini game collection. It's just in there. As far as consoles, so the Nintendo Wii comes out in November of 2006, and the Wii has the nunchuck and the remote that you're interacting with the screen again, and you could play Duck Hunt on that. And then f it took them four years, but Xbox comes out with the Kinect, which I, I forgot if you mentioned this, but the Super Scope actually had a physical sensor you had to hook up to the TV for the scope to interact with the screen. It wasn't doing the CRT thing like the Zapper was. Yeah, I wasn't specific about it, but yeah, it's like you plug that into the slot, and then the gun was battery powered and it interacted yeah. with that little sensor on top for um, sure which is very, not too dissimilar from the wii right it has the little sensor as well yeah precisely so these little bars you had to set by the tv uh the game comes out on the wii u in 2014 and that same year super smash brothers 4 you can play as the dog and the duck as a character 
Oh. <laughs> now, I know not everyone who okay. listens to this is a video gamer, so there's this Nintendo series called Smash Brothers where all the iconic characters from all of Nintendo's legacy going back to Game & Watch fight on the screen like a Mortal Kombat Street Fighter sort of thing. But like amped up to a thousand. Super amped up. and Because you can have like six or eight players at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nintendo teases that you're going to be the dog and the duck from it, and everyone thinks it's a joke. And then they release it, and you can actually be Duck Hunt Team. The dog and the duck come armed with the NES zapper. That's hilarious. They can throw clay pigeons. They kick an explosive version of a can from Hogan's Alley. And they can summon the wild gunman to shoot at other people on the screen. Nice. A lot of nostalgia bumps in there. 2015 game Splatoon has an in-game gun called the NZAP85, which is the Mm -hmm. NES zapper. This is a game where you're like squirting ink all over the place. It's trying to like paint a whole arena. Now, here's a movie I know you love. Uh, the 2015 film Pixels, starring Adam Sandler. That was a big one for you, right? I mean, I watch everything Sandler puts out. I He's know my you're favorite. A big Sandler head. Of you're all Sandler time. Fan. Sandler man. Uh, never even heard of this movie. Yeah, this movie's straight up garbage. Uh, I'm sorry, Sandler. I actually like a lot of stuff you've done, but this, is, this was terrible. It's like all these old Nintendo character, like beings escape and threaten the world, and Sandler and a team have to like defeat all of them. Okay. But the dog is in this movie quite a lot. He's a trophy okay. for defeating some some things. But now we get into some versions of Duck Hunt I think you might actually be interested in. 2016, there's a VR headset version for the Oculus Rift made by Joseph Delgado, who programs it in a day at the age of 21. Okay. So he just takes everything, one day, 24 hours. That's one of these sort of like programming jams that people go to. It's like yeah, a, a little challenge or whatnot, yeah. Makes the whole thing in a day for VR. But then in 2017, a company called Stress Level Zero releases an indie horror VR version called Duck Season. And so it's like very dark. You're playing as a young child, playing his favorite video game in the 80s. And the house, you know, things just start to get creepy in the house while you're trying to play this totally not Duck Hunt, definitely Duck Hunt game in this VR headset. I feel like it would be up your alley. Sounds terrifying. Sounds like it might be like... A little Five Nights at Freddy's meets a little gore field, maybe. You're getting into it. You're definitely on point with it. Okay. And here's the thing. I I stopped. This is where I stopped. I could go on for hours with where Duck Hunt shows up. It's just Nintendo self-references it a bunch, but it's just, whether it's the little zapper gun or the dog, it shows up a ton in pop culture. A lot made reference to it after the 80s. Yeah, and the other thing I'll mention about the Wii is obviously it has that motion technology in it, but they did as one of their accessories. You know, you could get the little wheel and some of the like the tennis racket for some reason you could get. But then they had one that was like a zapper gun. Like you could put it into like a little thing where it's like you're almost holding like a um a ray gun from a sci-fi yeah. movie. Uh, anyway, it's got like a little thing like that, so you could actually use it for some of the shooting games. Like I played House of the Dead Overkill oh, yeah, yeah, on the yeah, Wii. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. It was pretty fun. You know, again, you kind of you have the newest technology for the the point and shoot with the Wii remote. So as far as contemporary culture here, this is like where I need your help because I'm the okay. baby of my family. I don't have nieces or nephews to like look to to learn like what the kids are doing these days. Okay. But you have nieces and nephews. You've got you're you have a huge family, right? You've got a lot of study subjects. I have gosh children, yes. You do have you do have gosh children. <laughs> and like when I was a kid, toy guns were huge. Like nerf guns were everything. All mm-hmm. my, my friends, we had as many nerf guns as we could get our hands on or our parents would shell out the money for. Super yeah. soakers, like defined summers. 
Oh, yeah. That neon yellow, green, and white Super Soaker 50 was like, mm. I had a neighbor across the street who had like the home laser tag kit, like a little vest and a little laser, a thousand batteries, oh, yeah. like you said, you chase each other around the house. Or when we got older, we would go to laser tag arenas and loved it. Heck and then yeah. the zapper and the super scope, it was all over the place. Are kids really into toy guns today? Like are, are toy guns still as popular as they were like when we were little? Um, I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot more video game versions of shooting things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess the real question is, do kids have a lot of good opportunities to run out into the neighborhood and play with each other where they would, you know, have these interactive sessions with the neighborhood kids of, you know, shoot them yeah. up, cops and robbers kind of thing? Yeah, I can't say. That I don't actually know because I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't live in the same state as my nephews. Yeah, right, right, right. And so I don't have a lot of that firsthand experience. My initial inclination is to say it's not as much. Like thinking about if I walk up and down the toy aisle at Target or are there any toy stores left? I don't think so, right? Like a, a right? honest to goodness toy store. But, you know, Target seems to be the place where it's like I always go check out Legos because, you know, I, I used to, that was my jam. That was my jam. I don't feel like it's as much there and if it is it's probably more along the line of nerf like you shoot the little foam darts and stuff like that but yeah yeah maybe less so i mean of the kids that i do know there are two kids that we that we both know who love nerf guns and i'm i'm part of that problem too i love those two kids and i have given them nerf guns over the years because they love them so much uh, but most kids i've even come across paths with in recent years don't seem to have an arsenal like i did as a kid or my friends did as a kid well i'll also say this we are in the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Might be a little different regionally. I think it's worth throwing out there. You're you not know, wrong. we might You're not see wrong. them a little less out here than, you know, even crossing the Cascade Mountain Range or, you know, different parts of the country. So I, I don't think it was quite the same when I grew up when there were cap guns and they looked pretty real. Like yeah. they looked like real guns from a distance. <laughs> like that is not really a thing that happens anymore. I don't know. So there was an event that happened at the end of the 90s that Michael Moore did a documentary about. And there was some direct legal actions taken after that that sort of suppressed light guns like the okay. Zapper and like, and you know, there's just weren't a lot of orders for shooter arcade games going on in the early 2000s. Very understandable. I just don't know. It, it came to my brain while researching this topic of just like... What kids' relationships were to guns in the 80s, you know, toy guns, whatever gun you have. And we all come from different backgrounds. We all, some of us grew up in hunting families. Some of us grow up in law enforcement or military families. Thank you for your service. We all have different exposures as kids to weapons, whatever that might be. And you think like, we didn't even have to make them, they could look like, the toy guns could look like real guns up until like 89. Yeah. No problem. And it just made me wonder like, do kids have a different relationship with guns and toy guns around their friends in their school environments where we played with all of our guns in the 80s and 90s have just enough things happened that the idea of having a toy gun of any kind is not as appealing to some children like it used to be. I mean, we are still a very pro-gun culture in the United States. That's just a part of it, whether you like that or not, uh, or you're somewhere in between. But it's very... Um, it's very ingrained in our culture, and 
I think it just it shows up a lot more in video games. I think that's really where yeah. a lot of exposure might come, whether or not you go hunting or shooting with family members or, you know, things of that nature where you might have more actual hands-on experience, but that's with the real hardware, not with toy right, just hardware. Toys. Yeah. But this does kind of lead into my Bold assertion. Ooh, okay. But I don't want to leave this if you feel like there's anything else you want to talk about. That was the most controversial contemporary culture thing is just sort of this around the idea of like, I just don't know if toy guns hold the same interest with today's youth like they did in previous generations. Not just interest, but the same comfort level and disconnection with them as weapons as we had in our youth. And, and I mean, given current culture and where things are, particularly with schools, it wouldn't be surprising if that's just, it's just not nearly the same at all. And for very good reason. You've got a mic drop though. You, I see well, there's okay. a cable holding in the air. It's swinging. This microphone's about to be destroyed. What are you going to say? So we've been dancing around this a little bit and we mentioned it earlier in this episode, which is first person shooter games. This is a genre that's out there. It's extremely popular. There's any number of games that exist within this. And it really did kick off with Wolfenstein 3D in 1992, a game that I freaking loved. I don't know that first-person shooter genre exists the way it does without a duck hunt. Like, that's my bold claim. Like, I feel like first-person shooter games are the successor. And the reason is this. On the computer version, which is where Wolfenstein was created, you have a keyboard. Effectively mimicking the idea of pointing the gun. You're just using a different apparatus to do it. It's emulating that kind of movement. You're aiming with your firing. You're using the controls to go forward, backwards. But to your point, it's a first-person shooter because you're actually moving. It's not stationary like in Duck Hunt. Later, with more modern controllers, you know, in addition to the D-pad, we're getting one or two thumbsticks, which, you know, operate like a joystick for aiming. I'm terrible at those games. I cannot play first-person or third-person games on controllers. I have to do it. I learned on mouse and keyboard. I have to play those games that way. I love it. It was fine. So anyway, my thing is, like, we don't get a Wolfenstein 3D or a Doom. Okay, it's not that we don't get it, but I think we get it because... Somebody saw that and was inspired to say, what next? Yeah. And that launched, you know, those games. And then you get Duke Nukem, you get Half-Life, you get whatever, Call of Duty. You get, uh, what's the one everyone plays now? Like all the tweens play. Oh, uh, Fortnite. Fortnite. You get Fortnite. Fortnite. You get all of these games because of that idea of point and shoot. Yeah, right. I think there's a case to be made there. I tried to see if there was any, like, literature and (laughs) learned minds who spoke of the historical factitude of that assertion. Couldn't find – again, it's a a thin dotted line. But I'm going to go on a limb and say, did Duck Hunt itself? No. But did the success of a game like that pave the way to what comes next, which ends up being first-person shooters? I think yes. I don't think Duck Hunt is the direct predecessor, like you're saying, but I think it is a link in the chain that without it, the chain couldn't happen. It's very important in in the development of all these. Yeah, so even if you're in Fortnite playing as Dancing Kratos, because that happens, (laughs) uh, you need to to respect Duck Hunt, because you wouldn't have it without it. I think we've done a bang-up job. Oh, dear. Shooting through everything that came after Duck Hunt. Oh, my God. Contemporary culture. But I think it's time for us to head down the hall to math class and see how this game and the light zapper hold up today. I'm going to duck and roll. I'll see you there. Oh, my God. 
If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's awesome. That holds up super well. We're sitting here in math class. Yeah. We're counting our ducks that our retriever have brought back to us. Before they hatch. I don't know that that's how the saying goes. I don't think it's don't count your ducks. It's not don't, don't, count, count your... don't count your okay. ducks before your retriever brings them back. I'm not We're sure getting our ducks in a row. How about that? We're getting go. our ducks in okay. a row. I can get on board with that. I feel, I feel much better about that now. So, Christopher, what do you mm. think about Duck Hunt in the Zapper today? So, I mean, there's no doubt Duck Hunt has its nostalgic charm. And it would be that fun game to pull out a game night with friends, like I mentioned. At that time, it was such cool, groundbreaking technology. And from Nintendo's perspective, really kicked off their accessory game that, let's be frank, continues to this day. Like, the Wii was an absurd. It's so absurd. (laughs) An absurd amount of all of those little accessory gadgets. Uh, But as I mentioned, unfortunately, the novelty does wear off quickly both between the repetitive gameplay and the imprecision of the light gun technology. It looked cool. It was fun to use, but very maddening when you swore you were pointing out a thing and it's just like, nope, sorry, no dice. (laughs) Um, And then not to mention, it doesn't even work on modern television. So there's really that huge leap to play it like the OG old school version. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. You'd think Nintendo would bring it back through their current online store, uh, but apparently even they don't think it's worth the hassle. Ooh. Kind of a little bit of a loss there. You know, it's hard to find unless you got the old hardware. You know, for me as well, games based on accessories and gimmicks don't have a lot of staying power. They do feel like that one-trick pony. And they yeah. tend to have really shallow gameplay and replayability. As you mentioned, one minute into a 25-minute playthrough, I get it. That's all you need. Done. Understood. And as someone who does enjoy going back and playing and replaying games I love so much, this is a really harsh drawback for games like Duck Hunt. Yeah, totally. So I think for all these reasons, I can't say Duck Hunt holds up today. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as far as appreciating the thing that led to something better, I'm going back out on that limb. And I'm saying that Duck Hunt was absolutely a forebearer of the first-person shooter genre, influencing the creators and technology that made some of my favorite and most memorable gaming experiences. Mm-hmm. Late night LAN party Duke Nukem sessions. Come on, give me so a break. That was amazing. <laughs> I love so that you dropped that right now. That's great. So for, for that reason alone, I shall emerge from the grass with two thumbs up. Even if I'm a snickering mutt on the inside. There you go. That's really good. Uh, I think that's fair. I think it's a very fair evaluation. Yeah. What what are your thoughts? Feelings? uh, Counterpoints? Look, I just want to get the most uncomfortable one out of the way right at the top because it's not even the biggest point. But just like I think there's a complication in today's world around physical gun toys and kids. I think things are different now and in the last decade than they were in the 80s. I don't have enough data or focus groups with teens to have like a an intelligent perspective on this, but I think it's just a little more complicated than it used to be. It's not as clean. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons it's hard for it to hold up is it's almost impossible to actually play it. You got to find an NES that works. You got to find the double cartridge. You got to get your hands on a gun where the little light diode is still working. Then you have to find a CRT TV. Yeah. So even to get to play the game is such a massive hurdle that only like the most diehard NES fans would go through the hoops to make it happen. It's really inaccessible. 
Or you go to that Japanese bowling alley that was converted yes, into a shooting yes, gallery. Yeah, that's genius. That actually might be easier. That might be the easier of the <laughs> two options. That's genius. <laughs> I love that. That's probably easier. It's insanely boring to watch. If you don't have the gun or like there was an age where couch co-op play and sleepovers or just playing against your friend in the house was the way to do video games. It was the only way to do it. And it, it was, in my personal opinion, so to this day, the best way to do it. And mm. like... If you're not doing that, if you're just watching someone else play online, it is so freaking boring. It's so boring. Yeah. And I'm going to probably say some heresy to some people here, but the characters in the game aren't even that iconic in the video game pantheon. You know, the the dog and the duck. We're not talking Mario, Luigi, Princess, Sonic, Link, even Master Chief. We're not talking the the big titans. They're, They're the dog, unnamed dog, and certainly unnamed ducks. I mean, these guys weren't even all over stuff in the 80s. Like, there wasn't a ton of duck and dog stuff. All my positives are the same as you. Of Like, this is an irreplaceable link in the software and hardware development chain of games and shooters. And I actually really enjoy... I know I'm always kind of a nerd about history class, but I loved the history of this game. I thought it was fascinating, mm. like, coming up from arcades, like classic carnival games and these little light sensors and the, the custom line and custom gunmen who would collapse in your living room with the projector you could buy like it was just neat all the stuff that had to happen for this game to be developed and how it was kind of developed under duress in this oil crisis they're like yo we cannot get people to the bowling alley how can we bring the bowling alley with no bowling balls or pins but a duck hunting game to people's living rooms like i don't know it's kind of neat i love the history on it so i guess at the end of the day i love the story of it I do love the audio nostalgia of it, both of the video game music, but also like that, just that click and ta-ding, like the little spring sound you hear in the zapper itself. But otherwise, like, this does not really hold up today, but it was fascinating. And that zapper gun itself just is one of the most iconic pieces of plastic toy to come out of the late 80s. I think it's awesome. I think it's a cool toy. Look, Nintendo did it. I said toy. They d- It worked. I didn't say video game. I saw See? it as a toy. Hey, Nintendo. See? Look at you guys. Chris, thank you for coming with me on this adventure. We've been out here since three in the morning in a duck blind. It's cold. We're wearing camo. Uh, so I appreciate you going on this adventure with me to uh, revisit this property. This is fun. It was a great poll. You know, it, it's always hard, even though there were, what, 700 Nintendo games, as Insane. you mentioned, it's really hard to like center an episode around one of yeah. these games. So it's always fun when we can find that one gem where there's something cool to talk about. And like you said, the history was just a lot of fun and really interesting. So I, I appreciate you pulling this one out for today's episode. So there's two things when Marty McFly travels to the future next. One, he's going to get shamed by two kids when he shows them how cool he is at Wild Gunman. And the other is a small screen, either hosted by Michael Jackson, Ayatollah Khamenei, or Reagan is going to tell us what is the next topic of 80s High. Indeed, yeah. We're, we're still in that retro diner yes! with all the 80s nostalgia. It. It's so good. What year was that supposed to be? 2015? Back to the Future 2 was supposed to be 2015? Yeah. Dude, we have been denied so many promises from the 80s. Flying cars, jackets where the sleeves auto-extend with buttons. Come on. Didn't they have auto-lacing shoes or something? Right, and hoverboard? Yeah. Someone made a hoverboard. I guess hover... Okay, I We're guess like we got 50% hoverboards. there. We got the hoverboards. Okay, okay, I feel better now. All right. Well, that aside, let's talk about the next episode of 80s High, because you know, Ben, 
I always enjoy going back to those Nintendo games because yes. they were a huge part of my childhood. And they're a reason why I love video games to this day. 100%. But as we talked about on our Reading Rainbow episode, 80s kids weren't always allowed to play video games all day. True. Especially if it was summer. Screens were the devil. Get outside. Well... IRL, it's not summer anytime soon. We're still months away from that. I've decided I'm going to be a little aspirational, and I want to take a look ahead to those long, sunny days of outdoor adventure, while also looking back on all the fun summer memories we had as kids playing outside. Mm, okay. So we're going back and we're getting outdoors. Love it. For all those summer adventures and to make those summer adventures come to life, whether it's a big super soaker war like you mentioned yes. or you're playing laser tag out in the forest, we had to get away. We couldn't do that right outside of our door. We needed to cover some distance to get to the edge of the neighborhood, out to the woods, down by the river. <laughs> Where is this going? Away so our imaginations could run wild in places far from home. Okay. So, on the next episode of 80s High, we're going to do something a little different. I want to talk about our favorite toys on wheels. Our favorite oh, wheels. I'm talking bikes to big wheels, roller skates to scooters, and even the luxury of power wheels in the Cozy Coop. Remember that little red and yellow beauty? That little oh, Fisher-Price looking play school it was that, it car? It was beautiful. It was perfect. And so we're going to look at those and how those vehicles gave us worlds to explore and freedom to roam. So this is going to be a broad topic, Ben. I know these are kind of bend your mind sometimes, but I was just thinking about yeah. outdoor summer fun, but talking about everything became too big. I was like, gosh, there's Super Soaker. There's Just talking um, about the outdoors in the 80s? There's like out, outdoor toys. I'm like, there's slip and slide. There's a laser tag. Like it got so mind bending. I was like, but hold on. One of the biggest nostalgia bumps are like kids riding bikes through neighborhoods. And I was like, we had these ways to like go out and explore. And so I just yeah. want to talk about some of those. It's like a fun vehicle, pun intended, pun intended, for how we could do that. So that's what we're going to talk about on our next episode. Because I also think our listeners of 80s High are going to have a lot of fun input about their memories growing up and doing the bike riding, the rollerblading, the, all the fun things. I love this. This is a great topic. I spent all summer, like most 80s kids, outside. And I, as someone who has grown into loving a variety of vehicular transport, if I may say so, yeah, this is great. I love to go back to the origins. Let's. I'm ready to roll. Let's start now. All right, Ben. Well, I'm super excited. I can't wait to talk about all of these Hot Wheels that we're going to, nice. uh, we're going to roll away on. On our next episode... Of 80s High. Thanks everyone for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.